Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 159 of the Square Ball Podcast. I'm Dan Moylan, with me, Michael Normanton. Hello. And Daniel Chapman, comma, Moscow White. Hello, nicely punctuated. Thank you very much. Um, we want to say thanks to Levi Solicitors for supporting the podcast. 10% off your legal fees when you mention the Square Ball, when you contact them. For information, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball. We want to start the show off with a huge, huge thank you today. We've now closed the centenary shirt draw. We've been raising money, if you followed this one online, uh, raising money for the Leeds Children's Hospital charity, Leeds Cares. And it's just done absolutely amazingly. We were hoping for maybe a few thousand pounds. What's it finished on? 30,200 and something. Although I know it's donations are still coming in, even though you can't win a thing, which is very nice of people. <laughs> people are generous. That's yeah. what we've learned. <laughs> I thought we might get to five. It's a good prize. It is, it is really yeah. good. I'd, I'd very much like to win it, which I can't. <laughs> but we've touched it, and that's the important I've bit. not. Have you I touched, haven't touched it? it? When did you touch it? I haven't oh. touched it. I thought you had. I mean, oh. we, we as a collective. Oh, Oddie, I think oh, Oddie's, yeah. Oddie's been the one. Oddie's touched both the shirt and Berardi, and we've oh. and we've had nothing. Oddie's a very fortunate man. Oddie got himself, didn't he have a three-hour lunch with Berardi? That's his, he got his own little special prize, but then he did organise every little bit of this, didn't he? So, <laughs> Well, fair enough. Yeah, so just to reset the story, if you haven't followed it, we, we reached out to Gaetano Berardi, who issued us his spare shirt, because we found out that the players, they got two each, didn't they? And he's given us his spare shirt. Bless him. It's got the, you spotted the details on the photo of the player issue stuff. I think it was Leeds United Match 1 who spotted that, but I did uh, retweet it as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks to them for flagging it. It's got the special player branding on it, which means it's even more exclusive. You can't get it anywhere. Yeah, th- those ones you got in a box... Nothing, nothing yes. compared to this. Take your box, put it straight in the bin. It's rubbish. <laughs> so yeah, there was only... I'll send it to us because I, I, I haven't got one. <laughs> yeah. Only nineteen nineteen of those shirts made, wasn't it? And we we managed to get one of the outside that nineteen nineteen exclusive player versions signed by Gitano Berardi. Bielsa signed it on the chest as well. It's got the first team signatures on it. It's just a money can't buy prize, but somebody's going to have won it for about five ten quid, which is amazing. We got well, basically the equivalent of six thousand entries for this, raising over thirty thousand pounds for for the kids' hospital in Leeds. So thank you, and we're going to are we going to do the draw at the end of the podcast. We are. We'll do it. We'll get. We'll wheel in uh, Guinevere. They still call the lottery machines things like that. <laughs> we're going to have Mystic Meg with a prediction. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be it's going to basically be someone or a website picking a number and then me looking at a big spreadsheet, which is yeah. which just feels slightly less dramatic than a lottery machine. But that's we'll, why we're leaving it to the end to try and ramp up the tension before the, the inevitable so come in, letdown. At the end of the Square Ball podcast, uh, we look at a spreadsheet. <laughs> we'll, we make, we'll, make some, we'll make some like ball rolling noises and things to, to, to get Eddie and Ketia to help. <laughs> 
Well, have we all settled down now from the weekend? We were all quite giddy on uh, on the match ball at the weekend after we trounced Borough four goals to nil at Ellen Road. I think it was a fair assessment. Every we, time I look at the scoreline, I start laughing. Yeah. Well, we we mocked them for saying they were basically shit. We mocked them in the previous podcast because who scored dot com said they were shit because on their on their strengths it said they have no strengths. If you look at who scored match report, the lead strength stole the ball off and effective at creating goal scoring opportunities, effective at goals and through balls from from the flanks, from set pieces, were strong at finishing. Middlesbrough team has no significant strength. Yet so you're again, coming, you're coming round to who scored dot com now, aren't you? On you, Middlesbrough, you see, they're bang on. For years, I've been pointing out the absolute accuracy of their predictions and assessments. And uh, and here, I think it only proves my point. So we were good at creating goal-scoring opportunities through basically everything we did, and they didn't do anything well. That's the evidence of my eyes. I was going to say we, that was what we saw. Yeah, we've said that about whoscored.com before as well. You don't need to, you don't need them to say it. You can just see it with your own with your own face <laughs> at being at the game. Although the, Middlesbrough seems to be coming out with the line that they were getting back into the game when we scored the second. But mm, were they? We went a bit off the boil I remember distinctly we'd started taking ages over throw-ins it was goal kicks first the referee Stroud started having like waving his trotters at um, Kiko Kassir about taking too long over free kicks and goal kicks sorry um, and then we were taking a long time Luke Ayling and his throw-ins you know getting really slow and it, there was a weird atmosphere towards the end of the first half because it went really quiet and I was listening from the gantry to Liam Cooper who kept shouting at Calvin Phillips at, and at Ben White when they were marking, his thing seems to be to shout, stay on, stay on, when he wants them to keep marking the man rather than uh, switching off and marking Zonely or whatever. Stay on. So I could hear that. That's never a good sign in Ellen Road if you can hear the players. And then there was a throw-in, and I'm pretty sure it was either Jackie Harrison or Stuart Dallas yelled Sticking at... with Jackie, yeah? Yes. Yelled at um, Luke Ayling, was like, Basically, get on with it, which was um, when our own players are yelling at each other for taking too long about things, you can tell that some of the oomph has gone out of the performance. Was wasn't like that in the second half. We were in their, their penalty area twice within the first minute of the second half. And um, and we did that thing that Kemal Roof used to do last season, to basically get the ball from the kickoff and try and score straight away. So there was definitely more impetus. But no, Middlesbrough weren't getting back into it. They couldn't. I mean, according to Woodgate, midway through the first half, we're causing them problems and we're getting in the game. That's a very generous definition of causing them problems because they didn't when they were causing us problems, creating no opportunities, having no shots. It's got to cling to something. It's very Dave Hockaday causing them problems, getting into the game because he used to say that, and then you'd be like, which which bit exactly? Can you point me to the exact bit in the game where we were causing them problems? Because it looked very comfortable. There's a question for you: Who's the better manager, Dave Hockaday or Jonathan Woodgate? Same voice. According to you, anyway. <laughs> the second goal really kills us. You made a good point around the West Brom 4-0 game, Moscow, which was about scoring at the right time, because in that game we scored mm. immediately from kickoff and we scored every 30 minutes yeah. thereafter, didn't we? Like divided, that. divided the game up. You could argue there was a bit of that with Middlesbrough as well. Scoring so early in the game obviously took the wind out of their sails. We won. And then, well, but then as, as the sort of first half was lulling just that little bit to score right on the stroke of half-time... Killed it. Yeah, it was the last kick as well, which was great. They they took the kick off and then it was just whistled straight away. And yeah, the, the first goal was great. We won with the first goal. I, I had no doubt about the result. Which, after which, that. which we generally do. The evidence points to it. We don't give up um, leads when we go in front, apart from some significant games towards the back end of last season, which we'll never speak about. <laughs> and maybe a couple at the start of this as well, the Swansea and the Derby ones. But this one, as soon as we scored against a shower of shit, it was just like, well, that's just crack it on, see how many you can get. And that would be the only. Um, 
the only criticism I would have of this Leeds performance was that thing again of we could have had 10 and there was some some chances there that you think, oh, come on, score that. Jackie Harrison, when he plays that volley into the cup, I like, just keep that down. And there was, um, not really a miss, but Calvin Phillips' free kick that was tipped over the bar. I know we were joking about, what's he called, Ashley Pears on Saturday and his, uh, his better dad, but um, he did very well to keep Calvin's free kick out of, uh, out of the very toppest of the very top corner. Did Harrison, J- Jackie, sorry, Jackie Harrison, did he have one that was... Destined for the top corner as well, which was the keeper saved. I seem to recall that at some point. You'd give their keeper um, man of the match for them, but sort of just out of sympathy, really. I'd forgotten that Jackie Harrison was uh, was on loan up there, wasn't he, prior to us? Was he? Yeah, Pulis um, had absolutely no use for him whatsoever. So he, him and Bamford for the first goal, it's a while since I've seen... Jackie Harrison switches feet that quickly and really drive a defender. Um, but for that first one, he sort of started the game as if he was, I am going to score against these twats. And what was beautiful about Pat Bamford was his first touch was booed out on the wing. And then his second touch was the header that was saved. And the third one was the goal all in the first two minutes. So that's good. That shut the away fans up. I did laugh. Uh, you know, we were speaking about it on Saturday on the match ball saying, did he celebrate? against them that the, the Borough fans were asking if he celebrated Patrick Bamford if he didn't celebrate against all his former clubs would never celebrate at all <laughs> he said that many and he had a good uh, he had a good time with uh, I didn't notice this at the game but apparently Daniel Ayala started chirping at him after the, the final whistle which bearing in mind that Pat had been sat on the bench for the last 10 minutes and the game's finished I don't know why Ayala thinks right now I'm going to get involved it's like where, where were you for the, the actual game you wonky faced twat <laughs> <laughs> but he had uh, there was some there was some prime some nice needle wasn't there yeah some prime shit housing from Bamford not just the uh, the little basketball incidents that I don't know how he got away with but he did seem to spend some time whenever I hardly went you know I don't like to see players going down easily but when it's Bamford feeling any slightest touch from Ayala and then lying on the floor pretending to cry. I'm all in favour of it. Yeah, that was great. He kind of had his number with that. I must have known that that winds Ayala up. Ayala's he's absolutely fair game is Ayala. It's like when Callum Phillips tried to take his ankles off. He just thought of things. I think even the ref probably thought he's had that coming. <laughs> give him one on. Give him one on Ayala. Good old Stroud. It's the sort of thing in fairness that refs, when they retire, they do admit to stuff like that. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I, d- I don't mind people kicking him because he's a prick. Never liked him. <laughs> He's not a very lovable character, Ayala. He got a little bit wrestly at one point. It'll be awkward when we sign him in January, won't it? But I'd welcome it. I'd love it if he was doing that for us. And him and Bamford can uh, sort it out on the training ground again. From that performance, I can't I can't see why we're being linked with him because he's not a very no. good footballer. He's he's fine at doing stuff like that and he, he can win headers with his, his giraffe neck. But he's <laughs> as a footballer, he looks pretty shit. I would have to say. One thing I have enjoyed in the fallout since the weekend is all the different angles that are emerging of Click's goal, which we've retweeted a number of them off the Squareball account. Just that there's one, I think, that's from the Upper East that's fantastic and catches it all from a sort of bird's eye view up in the gods. And then there's the one, have you seen the one that we, I think, retweeted this morning from uh, in the cop? Just uh, the ball comes towards the, the camera, which is quite nice. 
it's an outrageous goal in every sense. Mid- Middlesbrough should be scandalised at letting him shoot from there. And that's what, but that's what Click does, doesn't it? He? he likes to put his foot round the ball and curve it wide and back in. It's his sort of signature move. And I think he really likes it when there's not a defender within 15 yards of him. That helps. I can't remember who it was that was uh, circling the positions of the defenders for that goal on Twitter, but yep, they were nowhere near and whether they just allowed that short corner routine to happen. And the person outside the box who when the ball hits the net is furious has also made no effort to tackle him either. I think he's, I can't remember who it is, but someone on the outside of their box who is like just jogging around like it's a training exercise. This is the guy who jogs right behind Cliff yeah. just as he's lining up to shoot. Where he can do nothing to stop him shooting and then goes, oh, fucking hell, guys. But he could quite easily have run in front of him. Yes. It was his man, wasn't he? And just... I mean, going back to Michael's sort of coaching manual now, <laughs> Ways to tackle people? Well, I think the main thing is getting yourself between the person with the ball and the goal, if they're mm. going to shoot, this is, between the ball um, and the goal and then getting near to the ball. So when the ball's kicked, which is done, if you go back, if you need that, the previous sessions to cover, the, guide, cover yeah. the kicking, mm. but for the stopping the ball guide, you need to be ideally be nearer the ball rather than further away. Near the player as well? So are you talking about getting close to the player and the ball together? Well, they're likely the two are going to be linked, aren't they? When, yeah. Well, when, when, it, come, when it, it comes to the kicking motion, well, it sounds key, like the, the two are very... is going to be is going to have the ball with the feet. Just so. to want to make sure I'm clear on it because you know the ball can roll away and the player can be there. So I want to know which one I need to look at. But you're saying both. Well, I mean, the, the player without the ball cannot score a goal. Interesting. So essentially, get your body close to that ball in order to make a tackle. Correct. Right. Should we pass all this on to Woody? Because I think he's probably deficient in these sort of coaching areas. If Saturday's anything to go, he was go never by. a very good defender. So um, <laughs> I, I, he needs to learn from someone, doesn't he? That it? is a good point. Actually, I hadn't thought about it like that. You forget he was such a good centre half. So why the hell can't he translate that into, or at least organising this team? Or is he hell bent on trying to make them attractive? To oh, I don't get it. It's weird because you think of the contrast where George Graham was a an attacking player and then made us the most dull fucking defensive side four banks of well it was essentially four banks of five yeah. is what he had as playing <laughs> and that, but he could do that and Woodgate one of the best defenders I've ever seen not got a clue yeah I did wonder because he's uh, I mentioned it on Saturday but his gesture after we went ahead just saying calm be calm to everybody like it's alright for uh, Jonathan Woodgate to be calm because as a player even when he was 17 came in the first team calm that was the thing that always stood out about him he could read the game he could intercept he never looked flustered everything was always pretty easy it's Daniel Ayala like, police, police knocking on his door at 5am still calm <laughs> just, he just glided down the stairs arms outstretched <laughs> alright lads patting towards the ground <laughs> so for him as a player being told to just stay calm and keep doing what you're good at is absolutely fine Johnny Housen at right back possibly needs a little bit more than just yeah, calm. So while we're taking the piss out of Johnny House and playing at sort of right half or wherever he was, mm. look at the position of Jack Harrison. Who? Sorry, look at the position of Jackie Harrison. Oh, yes. Look at this thing. We've got the, uh, the positional report. It's like the average player position. That's wild, is that? He was covering basically the entire left side on his own. Yeah, there's him and Liam, Co- Liam Cooper are our left-hand side of the pitch. And Liam Cooper's a centre-back. So he goes forward. Liam Cooper goes, I'll do... When you're left winging, I'll do a bit of left backing for you. But you're going to have to run back a lot because I can't do this all by myself. And then weirdly, on the other side, Helder Costa is actually significantly in front of everybody else, which is a bit weird. It's the like this asymmetric formation, isn't it? And then, as we know, Costa back post. That's a nice. That's a move we do. So we expect Harrison from his average position of on the halfway line to still get in the box 
for Costa's crosses, even though he's the most further, the furthest forward player. Well, I refer the gentleman to the game at the Medeski Stadium, In, indeed, and his late winner. Jackie Harrison just needs to commend his engine. I think it, I think they call it an engine, don't they, in mm. football? A little bit disappointing then off the back of last night's game, the uh, the Preston West Cheats. Brom uh, cheating their way to promotion. Are, are we annoyed by that? Or yes. would you rather... I wouldn't mind if West Brom and us just ran away with this this season. I'd be absolutely fine with that. Yeah, so if, they, if they're beating Preston to keep them off our tails. I don't think Preston, this is going to be one of those things where they beat us in the playoffs. I don't <laughs> see them necessarily as said competitors. Like, said like the truest Leeds fan ever. It's what, it's just early December and already you're predicting that biting you in the arse. Well, I think we're, I think we're considerably better than Preston. So I don't see them as being someone who will knock us out of the top two. The League Cup. The League Cup. <laughs> Not bothered. <laughs> but are you, are you bothered? If West Brom were to win every game except against us, it would probably do us a favour. It reaches a point where it's like that, but last night was not that point because no. we, were, we were still above them. And also they cheated. And they did cheat and they probably won't get punished for it because the FA will look at it and go, oh, you can't really tell from the angles. if He's, he's obviously cheated. Yeah, I can't be having Charlie Austin shouting around with the uh, league trophy at the end of the season not like this Charlie Austin has all been very upset about referees before hasn't he and, he has. and then yesterday he just went yeah I think there's contact and it's penalty that's nice one I scored cheers he see actually, you later bye. he actually even went as far as to say well he knows that the, there's contact coming so he starts going down he's even saying it's a dive and I'm very upset about Charlie Austin's hair every time I see it as well that sort of sub Aguero look at me I might only be a shit 31 year old substitute I still stand talk, by talk me through his hair because I can't remember it it's like an Aguero where it's dyed blonde on top, but the, the facial hair and the sides are all still black. Or if you remember Mike's Carpets or Rod Stewart in the 80s, either of those, they're basically the same person. It's an unacceptable haircut for a grown man. That, I it? still stand by that Billy Payne is the better striker. We got the right one. Yes, we did. In retrospect, I was happy to have Billy at our club. And Never dived, did he? He did not. I mean, no. Charlie Austin didn't dive yesterday, <laughs> but he supported it. And Cul- that's bad enough. He's culpable. Yes. He's an accessory. Yes. Thanks again to Levi's Solicitors for their sponsorship and support on the podcast. Brilliant to have them on board because they're a Leeds company uh, with branches right across the country, cover all sorts of areas of law. So if you need personal services, commercial services, whatever it is, have a look on their website. We've got a special landing page for you there, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Uh, Do that and mention us when you contact them. You will get 10% off your legal fees. Can we prosecute West Brom? Can we, we speak to Levi's about that? I'm well I, up for that. I think, can you can that's you sue inspired. for a number of points? Personal injury claim? Okay, yeah, injury to feeling. <laughs> yeah. So that's what you, that's what the big money is. Levi'solicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Arsenal away in the cup. Now there is a fixture that we've played many, many times. Are they the opponent we've met the most? I know it's one of the most drawn out fixtures I saw this morning somewhere on Twitter. It's not even that it's necessarily drawn out the most. It's... The games, the ties have been drawn out in the past because in kids won't remember this, but FA Cup games never used to end. If you kept drawing, you kept playing, mm. and it was like a cruel punishment. 1991, we played them four times in the fourth round, didn't we? Until it was finally resolved when they beat us at Ellen Road. To lose after four games with extra time in uh, three of them as well. I think the final one did we lose in 90 minutes or lose in extra time? I'm not sure anyone was watching by the. They end. were. They went two nil up, so I would assume it was normal time. Obviously, uh, most recent memories are of the the journey down to um, to the Emirates when we got the light penalty. Snodgrass, that was a nice moment, one in, in recent history. I was at that. It was quite a nice, uh, quite a nice day to watch the horror of um, Arsenal fans as Leeds fans pissed in sinks. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a communal toilets outside the ground, and Leeds fans weren't queuing. <laughs> 
So what were they like? <laughs> what were they like? It's eighty pounds a ticket. You can't piss in these sinks. Um, what was what like the toilet? Well, if they didn't want you to piss in, then why would they put them at waist height? That's the question. Eh? I mean, it was tiptoes, but but people were managing it, which is which is a good effort. It's too nice, the Emirates. That was what I took from it. Far too nice. You've got for each row of seats, people can get past without even having you having to stand up. Now that's too much space. I want people cramped in. Do you think we can campaign for this match we played at Highbury? I don't see why not. They've still got like the communal garden in the middle of the flats that they built there. So it does have play it there. a variety of sort of garden ornaments and a playground and a move them fences and stuff like that. Let's clear there. some space. Have a match. Well, the, the FA Cup itself is a bit of a distraction this year. So why don't we play at Highbury and see if we can do it like a Legends game? Get back the teams from 91. Maybe let Michael Jubry play. He always, he always had a good time against Arsenal. Thierry Henry can run him ragged one last time. Uh, Stephen Caldwell can play. Who else Who else are the legends of these games? Hasselbank, we'll get him up front. Give it a bit of spice. Bradley Johnson's howitzer in the uh, the replay at Elland Road lives long in the memory. The one time he didn't hit um, the peacock. And it was a pointless goal too because we... I think it was the they were two up. I think at the time he scored. Yeah, that's not pointless. That gets you back in the game. That's, that's an exciting moment. Well, no, we Bradley. lost. We lost three one, but exciting times. We could have some. Uh, the first time we played them in the FA Cup, nineteen fifty, was a, our first big, massive FA Cup match. We'd beaten. We'd we'd gone on a run at last, and there was um, all sorts of controversy because the the British Railways wouldn't lay on a special train and were charging people. Uh, too much to travel so they ended up being like a fleet of coaches and as soon as the draw was made somebody booked a plane from what was Yeadon Aerodrome to get them down there and there was um, a great story of uh, some journalists uh, set off on like they were going to do a let's see if we can hitchhike to the game so they set off at four in the morning by six in the morning they'd got to Doncaster and they just gave up they just turned around and went oh this is daft you should write a book about this stuff yeah if only if only I'd had that idea I, well, thankfully, these days, different times and train travel between Leeds and London is cheap and efficient. Especially in, over uh, the New Year period. Mm. Excellent time to be travelling to the smoke. Because, yeah, the engineering works are still on at King's Cross, aren't they? Oh, are they brilliant? Yeah. Maybe we should... So you're in trouble if you're on the Hogwarts Express. We're talking about campaigning to move this game to Highbury. Let's have it move to Welland Road. Say London's just too difficult. Could maybe play at a neutral ground. Wembley. <laughs> We've got a good record against them. There. I feel that wouldn't necessarily Still need to go to London. Yeah, though, it wouldn't we? negate the problem of getting into King's Cross, though, would it? All right, then. The problem with this game, Villa Park. Villa Park's a good FA Cup neutral venue. Yeah, the problem with this game, I was going to say, is that it's all going to feel too nice. It'll be televised. We're no real danger to them, and we're borrowed Nketiah from them. So that it's all a bit cordial at the minute. We need some needle. Yeah, it's Bielsa in the Premier League, though. That's that's the real interest. It's our first chance to to see how he can set up against one of the, well, they used to be good teams in the top division. And when Calvin Phillips snaps David Louise, I think we'll have all the, the needle that we need. I did enjoy the suggestion that we up the stakes on this by the winner gets to keep Nketiah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's boring otherwise, isn't it, really? You know, we... Do, are we going to? Well, it's Bielsa, so we will play a strong team in this. How probably. how would that fit in with employment law? Gambling a man? <laughs> ah, I don't know. Make it work. <laughs> they do it in America, more or less, don't they? They tell them where they have to move to. Mm. It's like this is the draft. I know you're from Chicago. Turns out you're going to Orlando or whatever. You know, they do it like that. Yeah, happened to Mike Grello when he there was. Uh, oh no, it was Jack Harrison. In fact, Jackie Harrison was uh, well, photographed. Sorry, sorry, who? Jackie Harrison was photographed in in one shirt, and then an hour later, it turned out he was he'd been. Signed for New York instead. He's like, oh right, I'll have, I'll be photographed for them instead. It was either him or Mike Grella. They're very uh, very similar, Jackie and Mike. Mickey, 
Jackie and Mickey. Transfer window is bearing down on us again. That's come round quick, hasn't it? Doesn't it feel like the season's only just getting going and yet here we are, like, weeks away from January? I was a bit shocked the other day looking at the fixtures coming up thinking, but we've only just played these teams. It's been very stop-start with international breaks for the, I don't know if it's because of the uh, European Championships, whatever they've turned that into. But yeah, it's felt quite bitty this year with like long gaps between home games and stuff. I'm looking forward to uh, after Christmas when we can just go on our 26-game winning run and just sort this all out. Um, who have we been linked with then? We've seen a couple more names have popped up this week. Well, Vidra not happening, according to Phil Hay. Which, Good. Who I frankly believe more than, I don't know, reported it the first time. If only, we had, if only we had a platform via which we could ask him. <laughs> well... The thing with Vidra is that I think is, do you remember when we were trying to sign him and he came and sat in City Square just to cause shit? Yeah, we mentioned it last week, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So people need to keep that in mind when they're talking about getting him. He's a knobhead. We don't want him. And also the fee seemed to be £7 million they were talking about, which for a player who's not played in two years... Uh, I I think that's all right, though. For a player of his quality... Nah, fuck him. Well, it's it's Bamford level, isn't (laughs) it? Anyway, we're not getting him. Phil A says we're not, so... Maybe, End of discussion. Maybe it's a smokescreen. We're also, before everyone else gets excited as well, we're not signing Dwight Gale either, because that's the one that people in, just bring up Radio Leeds week after week, insisting we sign Dwight Gale, even though Bielsa doesn't want him. Uh, he's going to Forest, apparently. Steve Bruce is trying to put them off. He wants £15 million for him, which he it, he has apparently said that it's basically, I, I hope nobody will pay that for him, because he wants to keep him and not play him. I did notice the Forest the other day when they played Cardiff, they had 30 shots and two on target. Which is some going. So maybe they do need a striker. Loan them Bamford? He's a goal machine now. You'd be nice to him. He's been doing well in recent weeks. And uh, who's this um, Glenn Kamara we've been linked with from Rangers? Chris's dad. Is he a relation? Chris's dad? Yes. He must be in his 80s. Experience. That's what we need in midfield. Okay. He's from Finland and he's 24, so the the numbers are not quite adding up for me. Oh, that Glenn Kamara. Sorry, I was thinking of the other Glenn Kamara. Yeah. He looks quite good from... I've done my YouTube research uh, and like everyone on YouTube... He's really good. I think he uh, he does a, he does a lot of the. He reminded me of a, a blend of like early Fabian Delph, where he used to make bursting runs, and Adam Farshaw because he does spinny circle things. Let's sign him. I think seems like a great fit into our team. I know Victor Orta said we were going to have a quiet January, but do you maybe fancy us to go out and get one of reasonable value? Maybe just a little bit of a one eye on the Premier League, kind of pushes over the line type signing, like Dan James, for example. <laughs> that went so well. I think it's a combination of what Victor is saying and also Phil is quite adamant that we haven't got money to spend. But the other thing Victor Orta always does say is that they've got, if there is a player there to be signed who they think will be good long-term, they'll sign him. And Tyler Roberts is the the example. We've got Adam Forshaw in January. We've got Kiko Kassir in January. And we're trying to get Daniel James in January because they thought he'll be a player who nobody else has seen and he'll be worth it for for more than just this season. So if there is somebody out there like that that they want, I think they'll try and get it. But it's I think what they're hesitant to do is go and get that Dwight Gale or the Gary Hooper or the whoever else that's just... The one that you're trying to offload in six months. Yeah, basically the the one that you think is like, oh, that, that's the player that will get us promoted and then you end up, yeah, you're stuck with them on a four and a half year contract and they're... Shit. It's kind of why I'm not buying this Glenn Kamara thing because he's been linked. Admittedly, it might just be his agent linking him with them, but Juventus for eight million quid and he's kind of one of Rangers' best players at the moment. You think he's not the sort of signing we go for. Like I 
don't think Dan James was that well known until we tried to sign him. No. Now all of a sudden he's he's very well known. But the same with Forshaw, it was very much under the radar. Kiko, I don't think anyone, it was a name that anyone had, was anticipating coming in. And I think if we sign anyone, it'll be someone similar. Someone who's cheap because they're slightly out of form or favour somewhere, but we think they can do a job for us. Yeah, Tyler Roberts, we basically uh, bullied West Brom into letting him come to us. He'd had good loans at, at Walsall and he was... He was being described as like a strong number nine down there, sort of knocking um, lower league defenders about. And um, there was some talk of him going into West Brom's first team, but we basically stole him before that could happen and West Brom weren't happy. So it'll, if it's anything, it'll be that kind of thing where we'll sign them and then we'll we'll probably spend the next three months going, well, why aren't you playing that player that you signed like with Tyler Roberts when he did his, uh, his shins as soon as he turned up and disappeared? Let's move on to Sheffield Wednesday now. Not technically our problem. But funny nonetheless, what's happening to them? Potentially, we think, facing charges and Chancery being investigated for the whole stadium uh, switcheroo that they did. But also, Gary Monk, formerly of this parish, interesting character. Mm, that's one way of putting it. What's the other way of putting it? He's a wanker. <laughs> yes, um, a hypocritical wanker as well. But the story around his departure from Leeds is that he was already talking to Borough at the time, wasn't it? Is that right? It's That, was, it that was the general feeling, yeah. So and now he is doing long lectures on loyalty, which is interesting. His whole thing seems to be that because Pep Clotet has stayed at Birmingham, he's wronged him somehow. The, the, what Monk seems to think is that he is Bielsa and that he inspires this um, loyalty in, uh, in other people that they're going to just wander around with him. Um, for the rest of their careers. He said in his press conference before playing Birmingham, he said, uh, I don't speak with him. What's most important to me is when I'm assembling a staff around me and to, to work with me. Key thing is to give them an opportunity and show them complete trust and you hope they repay that trust. Sadly, not everyone has their character. So he's kind of, he feels like he's given Pep Clotet an opportunity to join Team Monk and Platette has been on Team Monk for five years, apart from when uh, there was a split when he went to manage Oxford for a bit and then got back with him at, at Birmingham. And now Pep Clotet, after five years, is saying, oh, well, I've got an opportunity to be a, a, a manager at Birmingham. You backstabbing little cute teddy bear. It reminds me of the, the Warnock situation at Plymouth. I've just been reading about this in research for the Extra Ball when Mick Jones was his assistant there and Warnock chose to leave. Mick Jones said, oh, I'll stay, and they made him manager. And then Warnock didn't speak to him for several years because he was annoyed that he'd... I think I think a bit like where War- Monk and Warnock are similar. They don't like to see their staff potentially doing better than them. Yes. So it's like, oh, I don't want him being a manager in the, in the, in the same division as me. That's my job, he's manager. He can, be, he can do something around the place. Put the cones out, Pep. The big thing about this after from Monk is he's... Um, is he said after those first quotes, he was saying like, no, I don't want to waste any more energy talking about it. And then when he refused to shake Pep Clotet's hand at the game, so then it became an even bigger thing. It like, becomes no. a thing then, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, but he keeps saying, you know, I was asked I was asked the question and I was, uh, I answered honestly. The question was, they are managed by someone you know well. He's now running things down there. A familiar face to you. You know how he operates. So we could have just said, yeah, I, uh, I worked with, uh, with Pep for a long time and uh, he's, doing an all right job at Birmingham. Not, oh, Pep Clotet, do you want my full list of grievances, my book of petty grievances on Pep Clotet? Um, so when he's sort of saying, you know, I was asked about this, so I didn't want to bring it out into the public arena, um, it was entirely his choice. We should concentrate on um, Pep Clotet's response. 
It was nice. He, uh, it was nice about Leeds. He was. He said uh, about his handshake. He said uh, one thing that I love about British football is that whatever the rivalry, manners are on top of everything. When I tried to talk to him and give him my hand, I am giving him the hand of Birmingham City. And um, and he said uh, with Gary, we had five fantastic years. Um, it was very clear in the five years that Gary and I were together, I always put his personal interests before mine. There was the last month at Swansea when Pep Plutet had a, a chance to leave and have a managerial job but stayed to, to help Swansea fight off relegation. And that was very clear at Leeds, he says, where we had to go. When I was living like a honeymoon at Leeds, I wanted to stay, but that was not possible because of his problems. And again at Birmingham, he put me into a position that I could not hold. So basically, Gary Monks dragged him around for years, not giving him like a prisoner in his uh, where the monks live monastery, <laughs> and um, and now he's he's gone out into the world and he's discovered that uh, there's, he doesn't have to wear the cassock anymore. He can <laughs> he can drink wine, he can have fun with women, and Monk is not happy. It was a really crap avoidance of a handshake as well it wasn't like a manning up to it I'm not shaking your hand he just pretended to be looking in his bag or something yeah. didn't he I'm just oh, I was looking at these water bottles or something I can't I can't look around and Pep just sort of patted him on the back and then walked away smiling which was yeah. nice oh his smile was beautiful I've still got a lot of time for uh, for Pep when he says he was living like a honeymoon at Leeds I think we were all there was some talk when he uh, when Monk left was like well can we just keep Pep he was probably the good one <laughs> thought it was a bit like the Dennis Wise uh, Gus Poyer combination. I think uh, what's at the root of this one is that it's quite easy to see the humanity in Pep Clotet. Yeah. Because he's been quite open on, on socials. When he left Leeds, he was nice about it as well. Whereas Monk is nothing but like a, an automaton. He's like a machine. He's a robot. He just says all platitudes. So and then suddenly he breaks mould and goes mental like this. And you think, well, is this the real Gary Monk? Is this what you like? Somebody who's bitter and twisted. Whereas Clotet's always been a little bit more honest and open. And that's not to say Gary Monk's dishonest. Of course, I didn't mean to imply that. I don't think I follow more him on Twitter anymore. But what what's his current thing? Like he always, because as you say, he's an automaton. His Twitter post always like, when he was at Borough, they always ended with UTB and lit up the borough. Yeah, M O M O T for us, wasn't it? Or whatever, yeah. I don't know what his what his current thing is. Up the owls? You go up the owls? <laughs> oh, it's it's wow wow. We're we're all Wednesday, aren't we? That's theirs. I think wow 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 wow. Oh, okay, it's basically yeah. what I hear whenever monkeys talking. Wah, 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 wah. I mean, I've never checked, but I assume that's what he's doing because that's what he does. It's all very generic and manager speak, isn't it? And then suddenly he breaks cover like this and goes mental. And he's, phrase, not, uh, he's not going to be there anymore either for very much longer, is he? He's going to be... Oh, well, no, I hope he's trapped it. I hope there's no get-out clause for his contract and he's stuck there while that club falls apart. 12-point deduction incoming. Yeah, it's not only... So the stadium uh, sale was being investigated in itself and now it's been reported this morning that the... The chairman and two former board members, including the twat that was ruining Charlton before they finally been sold, um, have been separately charged and could all be banned from football. So we're, we're getting into the position with Sheffield Wednesday where they could be have minimum 12-point deduction, say, which would be great. Their chairman is banned from football, which would be wonderful. Given they've got no other money, they have a transfer ban, which would be excellent. And their manager is Gary Monk, which is hilarious. Again, not our problem anymore, but we'll uh, quickly dive into Cellino because he's crackers also. Uh, he's about to sack his manager after 10 minutes and then go back with the manager that he sacked earlier in the season. He's Great. given him a month. He's given him a month and he has failed to turn it around. And was some of that month in an international break? <laughs> Probably. I think he's he's not won in five games or something. He's said about five games. Nah. And when you're as an experienced a football man as Massimo Cellino, you can tell in five games whether you've... Uh, whether you've made yet another mistake. The posters are up by the urinals again, aren't they? 
I've made a mistake. I apologise. We're bringing back, um, what's his name? David Hockaday. Eugenio Carini. <laughs> but he, he lasted a, over a year. Did He got them up, didn't did he? Carini, so, but that's longer than anyone did at Leeds. He so. got uh, Brescia promoted, so I think he's. it's just been a, a tantrum, hasn't it? Hey, we're not winning Serie A. We win Serie B, but you know, win Serie A. You fuck off. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, actually, you were good. You were good. We're brothers. We're like brothers. Do you remember that guy when he, he decided... Neil Redfern reminded him of his favourite manager of Chilino because they looked exactly alike. <laughs> hey, they could be brothers here in Miami and my, my favourite coach. And he looked... He was, <laughs> the guy looked like... Like a little Roald, fat, bald Italian. He looked like Roald Dahl more than Neil Redfern. <laughs> uh, oh, let's have him back. Fuck it, it's boring without Chilino. <laughs> I think all this, this, these 4 nil victories have gone to your head, Moscow. Let's have a quick word then about some of the players who've signed up again. Jordan Stevens' new contract, summer 2022. Is that, that length of contract a bit of a gamble? You see, because he was banned for gambling, you see. That's, oh, okay. that's why that's funny. It's not funny, really, is it? It's a, it's a, it's a boy's life. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I'm glad he's been given a, a new contract because um, the pace he showed to get on the end of Alfie McCalmont's through ball in the under-23s after six weeks of no training... You'd think he'd, he'd might be blowing a bit, but he's obviously come back, knuckled down, closed down all his online betting accounts. He must look at the 32 red on the front of his shirt every time he's going to go out and uh, and play and just feel a little bit bad. But well, now he's got a new contract and he's putting it all behind him. It was pointed out, and I think we retweeted it from the Squareball account, that he was uh, presumably, if he had a shirt on at the weekend, was he on the bench? Uh, yes, I think so. So he would have been wearing he would have been wearing a shirt that said on it "Make Gambling Fun" <laughs> underneath the thirty two red logo. Have you noticed that? Yes, that's supposed to be their. Uh, it's keep gambling fun or something like that, isn't it? It's supposed to be their like keep on gambling something like yeah, that. Keep on gambling because it's fun. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's their idea of a positive message to say. Don't do too much of this. Make sure it's still fun. But you know, losing lots of money can be fun. What did you lose on Saturday, Michael? Speaking of fun, uh, I think it was eleven pounds. Because I think I had money on Borough to win, and then I think when we went two 0 up, I put a pound on the draw just to be sure. It was it went it was the thirty to one was the draw, and I thought if we lose if we draw two all, this will feel like a horrible defeat. So I'm, hey, you need to children. compensate. You are children, the joy of gambling, right there. That's um, how much fun you can have. On to somebody signing professional terms as well. A guy, he sounds like one of the in-house fashion brands at TK Maxx. Jack Jenkins signed a contract. Yes, well, I look forward to seeing whether he's worthy of. Uh, Jackie's status in the future but um, he I have vague memories of him looking alright in either pre-season or one of the other the early under 23 games in the um, the Calvin Phillips role I think he was doing that maybe at York Internet prankster Jack Jenkins sounds like that too he'd have a YouTube channel and about 6 million followers you won't believe what Jack Jenkins has done now he's jumped off a cliff into a trampoline <laughs> I wonder what you were going to come up with then. Covered in hot sauce. <laughs> Is he going to drink all that Tabasco, Jack Jenkins? My God. There you go, Jordan Stevens. That's how you have fun. Hang out with Jack Moore. He needs a friend. That was the whole thing. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Feels like a while since we properly addressed the, the booze baton. Uh, did we do this last week? I can't remember. We missed it somehow. Did we? Your fault, Dan. You're in charge. Okay, I'll take that one on my shoulders this time. Uh, anyway, it's not moved. Eden J. Harris, guy on Twitter who decided to track this for us. Basically, start of the season, Leeds would be the destination for our end of season promotion party. And then when we lost to Stoke in the League Cup, then it passed to them and so on and so forth. So whoever beats the previous holder takes it. It's now ended up with Liverpool, which means we are off to Merseyside for the end of season party. Maybe we could combine it with that if they're going to win the league and we will get promoted, which has happened before, has it? I would yes, I think they think were champions so. the year we came up, 89-90, from memory. We should check this, because after the whole Paul Bowden, Mark Bowen thing last week, I feel like we should introduce some facts. Whether it's true or not anyway, so the, the party is going to be there as it stands at the minute. They have, put, well, they played Napoli and Brighton, they've held off those challenges, so they've kept hold of it, but it's the Merseyside derby which randomises things a little bit. I mean, Everton are not going to go unbeaten. Everton are not going to win this game, so let's not worry about it. I, d- I was looking further ahead on, because I'm desperate for a, an overseas trip out of this, at Liverpool's fixtures, and I did notice they're, they're playing the World Club Championships soon enough, which offers not only a European potential, but we could, we could be going to South America, or if we're unlucky for the booze baton, we could be, it could be in uh, Saudi Arabia with Al-Hilal FC. And if anyone not aware... Alcohol is really very strictly illegal in Saudi Arabia. So rather than any reviews, I've, I've, I've got some, um, some, some facts about drinking. Peter Mutti, an Aussie, was caught with two cartons of beer and a box of red and a box of white wine. Uh, he got six months in prison and 100 lashes. Though we only actually received 28 lashes, which was, which was a bonus for him. And he shared a cell with two murderers, a rapist and thieves. So that's something to look forward to if we, uh, if we end up there. That clientele sounds quite similar to some of the nightclubs in Liverpool that you were <laughs> highlighting. So I'm, I'm not really seeing a great deal of difference. <laughs> Where's the downside, etc., etc. Yeah, it's that, that's the sort of case that you feel like David Haig should be getting on, don't you? <laughs> Supporting the human rights of, a, of an Aussie who wants to get pissed. I think I think it's fair enough. I mean, the, not to cause too much controversy on this podcast, but fucking, fucking hell, Saudi Arabia, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can let's we can all agree that six months in prison and and well any number of lashes is too many lashes. That's what I'm saying. It's a strong message to the to the, the Saudi Arabia regime. Calm the fuck down, would you? I look for maybe if we do get taken over by Qatar, you'll be the person the, the supporters representative to go and talk to them and say, look, just chill out, start. You know all these workers, pay them. I pay them. Let them just let them have at least Saturday maybe let them knock off at lunchtime on a Friday they they'll do have, more work can have Friday, Saturday, Sunday Friday is the weekend in the Arab world they'll do more work if they're alive <laughs> I imagine they don't get that off though probably the uh, the imported migrant workers well that's where you start give them some time off keep them healthy that'll be good 
Liverpool did win the league when we came up, by the way. Ah, we've checked then. Oh, good. Yeah, so that's happening then, is it? And thankfully, Al Hilal FC, I would say, are unlikely to beat Liverpool. Second instalment of Neil Warnock this week on the extra ball. Not all of it good. It's about Neil Warnock. So (laughs) you expect. Actually, doing the first part last week was more entertaining and fun than I thought it was going to be for a man that I don't like much. He's a a figure of uh, mockery. Exactly, and we we weren't too big to uh, stop at mocking his children either, which was nice of us. <laughs> I mean, this week is part two of the Neil Warnock special, and we are looking at the double cup defeat of the Terry Venables era, which and was fun, great yeah. times. Not to mention our race for promotion in two thousand five six, when we finished fifth. Okay. Nostalgia, eh? I love it. <laughs> and chance to win a mug from us every week. Sign up and enjoy your first month free at thesquareball.net forward slash the extra ball. Early start of the weekend, then, chaps. Well, for one of us in particular, because no. you're doing something stupid, Michael. Well, I'm walking to Huddersfield, <laughs> which is a, which is a nice charitable thing to do. Which is fine if you live in Huddersfield. It's fine if you live in Huddersfield, and it was fine until the... Was it Sky or the police moved this? I can't remember. Anyway, it kicks off at half past 12, which when you walk into Huddersfield from Leeds, is far from ideal. What time are you setting off? Six from the stadium. It's probably a train at that time, you know. Probably get a later. Do you want to explain why you're doing it? Oh yes, uh, for Leeds Food Bank. It's part of the Supporters Trust. Uh, they're doing like a festive push for for donations of both of both food that you can drop off at home games and also for for cash. So if you want to donate, go to leedsunitedtrust.com/slash/donate and give us some money. There's about thirty people doing it, so it's going to be cold, rainy. All that some sort of them stuff. Huddersfield fans, aren't they? In Huddersfield, yeah. Apparently so. We'll try and shake them off. So they'll just they'll just be glaring at you. <laughs> The running total is actually respectable already, isn't it? Don't tell people that. We need more money. No, I'm just saying. Well, people like to join a rolling bandwagon, so it's already over four grand when I looked by quite a considerable distance. That's pretty good then. So yeah, well, I think I think we're, they're aiming for ten across the whole um, ten grand the whole, the whole sort of Christmas period. So if you can give a couple of quid to that, that would be much appreciated. Cup final day though, isn't it? As well, you're walking to the cup final. It is down the very big Wembley way that is the Leeds Road. Into you're going to take a blue comic with you. Because that's what they had on cup final day on the, the team coaches as they're pulling in. You'd have a blue comic to keep the players entertained. Maybe you could take one of them with you to keep your spirits up. When you say blue, do you mean pornographic? Just blue. Or just coloured blue? Just a, a blue comic. I, I'm sure the listeners know what a blue comic is. It reminds me, on the way back from the Doncaster playoff defeat, I remember being on the train and there was a copy of Young Scrubbers being thrown <laughs> around the, the train carriage. Not that kind of blue comic. What, I'm talking about a comedian. Is that a cleaning industry trainee mag? <laughs> Some of them may have also worked as cleaners but they were not doing any cleaning as much as I could tell from the Did they look clean? Uh, yeah I'd say so That's alright yeah. <laughs> Scrub up alright Excellent uh, Right back to the game The Cowley brothers Who are they? What are they? What do they want? Why don't they go away? They sound like they should be film directors like what they called who did all that The Cohen brothers That's the one Yeah I'm genuinely confused by why they keep getting referred to as the Cowley brothers because I genuinely thought until researching this game that they were like a management team that they're joint managers like it used to be um, what's his face at Charlton it was Kerbishley and Grit wasn't it and you think yeah that, that's where they are but no it's uh, Danny Cowley is the manager and Nicky Cowley is his younger brother's assistant manager so you never used to say that oh, here's Leeds with Wilkinson and Hennigan it wasn't O'Leary and Grey it, well, it should have been Grey and O'Leary but for some reason they're just constantly the Cowley brothers like Jedward I think I think they split their money equally. I'm sure I've heard this before. That even though one of them's technically the manager, he just lets his brother have the same. Is it a case like Nicky Cowley just can't get a job doing anything else because his brother's quite good? It's like, oh, just you can be my assistant, and yeah, we'll split the money. 
He probably, Danny Cowley probably runs his bank accounts anyway. So Nikki is the younger one, the assistant, who uh, doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. That's how I, I stumbled upon this. I was reading all about um, Danny Cowley's Wikipedia page and it was all, he was appointed manager of Lincoln and he was appointed manager of Huddersfield. I was like, where's his brother? Oh, his brother is just a shitbag. So we have five wins on the bounce. They haven't won in four. You know how this goes, don't you? <laughs> Well, I mean, we said that about Middlesbrough, didn't we? Although they actually beat Barnsley before, so they were allowed to yeah, lose again. Yeah, they, they had a little bump, mm. whereas Huddersfield have... Uh, it was quite entertaining. I enjoyed them um, on Saturday when they were making quite a big deal of Huddersfield's score at half-time on the big screen. I like that. They started off doing all right when the Cowleys came in. The Cowley brothers, you know the Cowley brothers, famous Cowley brothers. They beat, you know, beat Hull, but one away at Brentford. That was good. It sort of looked like they were... Maybe not going to be relegated, but now the shit again. <laughs> They'll have had some ideas. They, they seem to be presenting themselves. They're, they're like they've gone with the thoughtful option from uh, from lower league. Um, and whenever BBC Leeds tweet like the post match thoughts or the pre match thoughts of Danny Cowley, they've got this one photo of him looking pensive, where he's kind of standing at the side with one arm across, and he's got his his other one sort of to his mouth as if he's thinking it. it just, somebody's that photo makes me feel really anxious whenever <laughs> I see it. There's this guy doesn't go hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder what he's thinking about whether it's has he left his oven on is he thinking about putting Johnny Housen to right back it's that kind of thing like, so no I'm a, I'm a thinking manager you can tell because I stand on the the touchline looking thoughtful I'm not going to shout at you to get into him I'm just going to stand here and think Mm. probably be better if they fucking got into them but it, mm. you do think it sort of masks a person who doesn't know what they're doing that and then he's got his brothers just like eating shoes in the dugout so it's not really <laughs> I'm not sure there's the combination to keep Huddersfield in this division, which is great. No Calvin Phillips at the weekend then. Are we all right with that? Yeah, that's the the one selection dilemma for us, isn't it? Which, I don't know, Ben White did all right there for a bit the other day. Is Adam Forshaw dead? It still seems so. He, he missed the Barnsley game two and a half months ago with a late fitness test. And God knows what happened in that fitness test, but it has ruined him. For, for, I mean, I suspect they have high levels of fitness. If I probably did a, just a fitness test, I would be in hospitalised but you expect Adam Forshaw to be able to pull, pull through that but no he's uh, he's dead sadly but the club are not telling us <laughs> I truly believe they're covering this up like, sitting him in the stand like Weekend at Bernie's I know he was on the on Quest the other week but I uh, sort of think it was a, a body double I think he he was like Paul McCartney he died uh, he died in that fitness <laughs> test at Barnsley and they've, they've tried to cover it up anyway uh, deep line midfielder I mean we could give Alfie McCalmont a go there we could give Ben White Ben White to go, Klitsch could drop back. Stuart Dallas is uh, the obvious candidate. <laughs> we should probably just just play with 10. You think I'd go for 11? I'm going to go nah, for 11. start with 10 and Stuart Dallas can cover. No, bring, seri- the, bring the 11th on if we need him. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously though, game, Saturday, win? I mean, we should, but... Obviously, I mean, who scored.com, who we now know are ultra-reliable, say Huddersfield's characteristics, say great chances through individual skill which I presume is a, a dog with a balloon, creating chances using through balls and they steal the ball from the opposition. Those are their strengths. They're very weak at avoiding individual errors and very weak at defending set pieces. So. I like the fact that you tripped up over individual errors there. <laughs> I'm out here on my own making mistakes. I could sign for Huddersfield tomorrow. I'll go and get a, a trial with the Cowley brothers. Can't convince one. I'll just give the other a biscuit or something. Um and weak at defending set pieces, very weak. So I, I predict more short corner goals. That's my prediction. I think we're going to score six goals from short corners. Each one different, different routine every time. I say narrow leads win, but we have to factor in the randomising element of the derby where they're going to be massively up for it. 
That's the only thing. Yeah, but, but they're shit. They are, and I think Bielsa's team is better equipped for it. Like, I think, do you remember when we played them? Was it last under Monk we played them? When we, we lost narrowly, when they went up, wasn't it? Lost 2-1 and there was a lot of pushing and shoving on the side. Yeah, when yeah. Monk stepped across Wagner and at the time we were like, yeah, good man, but now I look back at it and think, ah, oh, you little prick. Although Wagner, you've also, there's no winners in that, is there? Let's face it, they both seem like little pricks. What are you going for then, Michael? How are you feeling? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm walking there, Alice. I'll probably fucking lose. <laughs> well, we'll blame you if we do. Gonna get up at half past five in the morning, walk to Uddersfield, lose, and then come back and have to talk about it. Christ. I think we're going, to, I'm going with 6 0. 6 0, um, okay. Maybe not all from short corners, but most of them. If we don't win, then I think we can say conclusively that Steve Evans is a better manager than Bielsa because he won at Uddersfield. 3 0. Will we also say that uh, Alex Mowat is a better midfielder than Matches Click? Yep, I don't see why not. And Scott Wooden played in that, so he's better than Ben White. Well, this is the game that uh, Scott Wooden, he headbutted Liam Cooper early on and took him out of the game, didn't he? It's one of the many times that he uh, he ran straight into The physical Liam comedy Cooper. years of Leeds United defence. <laughs> Fucking hell, what dark days they were. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't know. We should win. We absolutely should win. There's no way we can try and pretend otherwise. We're much better than them. We're in much better form, got better players, a better manager. Better fans. Better fans. More fans. I mean, then some of those might actually turn up for a change this weekend, which would be which would be nice for them. Better mascot. Peacock's going to take out a terrier, isn't it? I don't think we've actually got a peacock, but... Get one. <laughs> Time right now, then, to pick our weekly heroes and villains. First, the Ken Bates Villainy Award. Somebody who's made things worse for us over the last seven days. As is the custom with this feature, Ken Bates gets the opening nomination for something spurious. What for this time? Not spurious, really. No, this is serious. It was on our screens, wasn't he? Ruining our... Without warning. Saturday evenings. Or was it Sunday? I can't remember. Whenever he was on my TV, looking yellow. Everything about him was yellow. Yellow coat, yellow glasses, yellow skin. Could be a sign of something, who knows? I mean, his, his hair and beard are supposed to be white. Suggests that... Uh... I, think that was, I think that's why the rest of him looks so yellow, because the white, the white of the beard was a nice contrast. Yeah, awful to see him again. It's, he's, um, he's 87... Coming up, well, the 4th of December is his 88th birthday. So I'm lucky if anybody's listening to this who shares their birthday with Ken Bates, I pity you. Although if you are 88 and listening to this, well done. I hope you live longer than Ken Bates. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think Ken's birthday present and wrapping will be like? <laughs> I hope it's one of those joke presents where you unwrap it and it's like a boxing glove on a spring that punches you in the face. And I hope he gets that every year. Or maybe every day for the rest of his life. Do you think he'd sound grateful? What I'm angling here is that, that Michael does the voice. Oh, well, I mean, nothing you could buy him he'll be happy with. What do you buy the man who has everything? Oh, Ken, we've bought you Sheffield Wednesday rule for sale. You wanted them before uh, before Leeds United. You're a football chairman maybe again. Maybe that Sheffield Wednesday's way out of this horrible mess is that they give Ken Bates one last job. Was he the one who was sniffing around Wednesday, wasn't he, before Leeds? He was. They, they chased him off. They had the good the good sense to tell him to piss off, and he came here. What do you think he would have said in those discussions? Come well, on. Or maybe those dis- If he was going in there now, bearing in mind that their, their chairman is going to be banned from football, Gary Monk is the manager, they're going to have a 12-point deduction, it's all set up for him to go fighting Alan Hardacre at the Football League. Susanna, thank you very much for the boxing glove. It's a tremendous joke. Every day, never wasting. But I've got to go and save Sheffield Wednesday. Are you coming? Am I going to do it? 
by myself. Sean, Sean, where to be seen? He was in last time I spoke. He was in, in, in the space station. Or something, or in Vietnam. I can't remember which. I think the two were are they the same place. I, I can't remember. What's in this box? It's a boxing glove. <laughs> Very good, Ken. Thank you. Yes. Could um, he could put something in the the Sheffield Wednesday match day program to asking if anybody knows where. Uh, Sean Harvey lives, couldn't he? If he's that desperate to find him, maybe some uh, put the crime watch theme out. Goodness, yeah, the radio station. It's never ended badly before, has it? Nope. That whole thing, it just does make me really uncomfortable. So thank you, Michael. <laughs> I appreciate that. Your other villains then, who have we got? Uh, Gary Monk for working for Ken Bates. I know he doesn't yet, but he will. And for lecturing people on loyalty, that's probably a fairer... Uh, yeah, just for basically being a prick for the last week. Not and, longer than the last week. Yeah, <laughs> the last week minimum. Who else? Keith Stroud. As we've discussed before, his his many crimes, but this the one this week was booking Calvin Phillips, meaning he misses the Huddersfield game. How dare he? An innocent man, Calvin Phillips. If it was quite an agricultural challenge, but you would have thought that would appeal to Keith Stroud. <laughs> Derby County, they're down here for cancelling their Christmas party. I assume that's because we were looking forward to it. Spoil sports. We could we could have had gone, some good mileage. We could have gone to that, couldn't we? Do you think they'll organise one anyway? I mean, there's no fucking discipline at that club. Yes, we've cancelled the Christmas party and said all the players have agreed and like, when we off then? We off that's straight after training. Yeah. Keo Splinter Group. <laughs> he might order maybe uh Keo's gonna start his own Derby County football club. Like the provisional Derby County Christmas party, something like that. <laughs> the real Derby County. No? <laughs> That's absolutely fine. No, I love the idea of both the provisional and the real Derby County. All three of them. All three of them in the leagues. Wayne Rooney will have his own soon, so that'll be the thing. Uh, is that everybody or anything else that we want to put into that pile of turd? They're all the villains I can think of. I'll give it to Gary Monk. Yeah, he's he's been an absolute particularly annoying over the last seven days. So. It, it really did great when he started lecturing on loyalty, very much so. And this whole thing, and I really can't stress him enough because his only defence on this is him going, well, I was asked a question and I, I had to give it an, an, an honest answer to the question. Nobody fucking asked you that question. Nobody said, this is your time to slag off Pep Clotet because you're bitter and twisted. The question was, you know how his team will set up, won't you? He's like, yeah, it'll be full of backstabbers. <laughs> Shouldn't have punched the table there. Takes the neck out, isn't it? <laughs> but there you go. It's fine. It's done now. So well done, Gary Monk. Only problem is a snake has no hands to lift the trophy, the theoretical trophy at that. But anyway, on to the throw it in his basket, and then next time, <laughs> next time Pep Clotet turns up with his little trumpet, and he could dance to his tune. I know it's not a trumpet. We actually looked at what it was before. It's some kind of really complicated instrument I'd never heard of. Anyway, Shall we're all we... familiar with snake charmers. Should we just crack on with? next bit yes Andy Hughes Hero Award somebody who's improved our lives over the last week we actually got an external nomination for this uh, Tom was in touch on the WhatsApp number by the way which if you want to get in touch UK number 447899555 you can send us uh, a voice memo is preferred and then we can play it out on the podcast and you can send us a message for any of the podcasts that we do our pictures don't know what we, I mean we can't use them on a podcast we can receive them. We did accidentally get a picture of someone's child this week on the WhatsApp number, yeah. He did apologise for sending it. It was a lovely family photo, but don't think we needed it. Okay. Well, if you've got any more relevant pictures to send. Anyway, here's Tom's message. Now then, I just wanted to put in a quick shout for Aaron Cresswell of West Ham United to be a hero of the week because um, he simultaneously ruined Frank Lampard's and Ken Bates's day 
on the same day by scoring for West Ham. So he's my nomination for Hero of the Week. Good solid nomination, it feels like. Very good nomination. I've always had a bit of a problem with Aaron Cresswell because he's been keeping Sam Byram out of West Ham's team. So maybe he's making a, he's making amends for, for spoiling little Sam's fun. Who else are your heroes then, your candidates for people who've improved our week? Pat Bamford, scored a goal, set up another goal. He's a striker. generally well. He's a striker. Do we need to nominate him every time he scores? Is it patronising? Do you hate it? What's right with you? Why are you hating Pat Bamford so much just because he scores goals? I'm worried you're doing it sarcastically because we all know you've got a long-running agenda against him. He, uh, he's, Vendetta, some people have said. He's worth a hero nomination because he, uh, uh, he played very well and he showed Robbie Keane and Johnny Woodgate and Johnny Housen and Adam Clayton how to perform against your former club. And it feels like when we do nominate him, it seems to spur him on to scoring more goals. So that's why we should do it. Click as well for his uh, his brace. I think you only get a brace, don't you, in football when you score two? That's what a brace is. Yeah, it's good. Um, they seemed very pleased. I enjoyed Luke Ayling dragging him down to the floor for a pylon after his long range one. I think he... Uh, it's good to see Click. I know we've been saying he had a lot of space and time and it was ridiculous, but he... You know, you give Alioski that space and time, and the ball's probably <laughs> up there in space trying to find Sean Harvey. So, um, yeah, he can have a nomination. It was nice, the angle quite low down behind our goal that caught uh, Kiko's reaction to that goal, which was pretty cool. One of the replays, he really enjoyed it. It was nice that the team all celebrated it properly because, you know, with your fourth goal, you can be a bit, a bit complacent, can't you? Just a little... Little hugging back to the halfway line, but they all they all properly celebrate. I want to see. I want to see when we go six and up against Huddersfield. I want Berardi in the stands, shirt off. Who was your other hero nominations? Go on, Keith Stroud. Controversial. You're trying to balance the universe here. Well, he's been he's been nominated as a villain for not. I mean, he could have sent Calvin off for that. I know. He, I know you can't like you can't unring a bell. You can't unfuck a pig, <laughs> but he cannot send off Calvin Phillips. And in in doing that, he's gone some way, I think, to to redeeming himself. He's brought home the bacon with that decision, hasn't he? He has indeed. That's, uh, I think he, he euphemistically calls it. I like how it's just become a fact. Should make it clear for any uh, any of Keith Stroud's legal representatives, <laughs> it's a comic device that he's fucked a pig. <laughs> we don't think he's actually done it. I don't know if the pig was laughing. Unless, unless he has. If you're going to get in touch with us, it says more about Keith than it does about uh, about the joke because it says he's got something to hide. Right, who else? Johnny Woodgate just showed his leads. His leads through, through and through by sending out such an unprepared shambles of a team. Did you see what he was saying before the game that after the match at the Riverside, Marcelo Bielsa gave him the huge dossier that he had on Middlesbrough? I was like, here you go, you might, you might want to have a look through that. And, uh, and Woodgate, he didn't quite, go quite full still on page, Still on page three of it. <laughs> he didn't go quite full Lampard. We said, um, you know, every, every manager does that. But what's, he, what's a forward? He did praise the detail. He went down as far as saying that uh, it even had like um, how the right back plays. And I'm wondering if that's maybe why he decided, oh, I've got to do something about the right back. Johnny, see what you can do at right back. I mean, we did nominate him on the Matchball podcast for turning that, Shower of turd out because they were really bad. Yep, him and uh, him and Kino doing a great job up there. And he spoke fondly of Leeds in the aftermath as well. So you can tell he kind of he didn't want to lose that game. He didn't want to win that game, did he? He didn't want Leeds to lose. They're talking about bringing Warnock in now, so things have got bad. I would say for Middlesbrough. If you're deploying the emergency Warnock, then there's no hope, is there? That- Tony Pulis, Johnny Woodgate, and then Neil Warnock. Warnock's what you get when you can't afford Pulis. 
I would love if they brought Warnock in but kept Woodgate. So he's kind of coming in as an advisor. So we can just phone them up from fucking Cornwall every day. Johnny, 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 Johnny. What are you doing, lads? I've been watching your training on the old uh, on the old YouTube here that I've got. And uh, you've got some funny ideas. You didn't bang it up to you. You've got Britta Summer Belonga longer, longer up there. And you haven't banged it to him once. Uh, who else would you like to nominate for your hero? Pep Clotet. Yeah, he's done good stuff this week. And also it'll just annoy Gary Monk. His continued existence annoys Gary Monk, doesn't it? So, yeah, well done. So keep, did, do, keep doing what you're doing. If he was waving an award in his face as well, it would be even better. I mean, I think he's a, he's a strong candidate, but we've got to give it to Woodgate. What do you think? I think Cresswell's quite a quite a decent shout, actually. But... Yeah, Cresswell's done a Chelsea too for, and also slightly making amends for the Byram thing. So it'd be there's some good things there. I quite like Pep Clotet to have it. So it's not as it's not as cut and dried Woodgate as you might have, may have wished. Make a decision then, who would you like to have it? Okay, Woodgate, not guilty, and I think Pep. If Monk's the villain, Pep's the hero. That's my That's view. That's true, that balances it. Yeah. All right, should give it to Pep then. Pep Clotet. And he'll be delighted to have it as well. It'll be like a, a memento from our honeymoon together. Right then, shall we draw a winner for the Centenary signed shirts? This is actually really exciting. I feel like we should have some sort of dramatic music going on, but we don't have the ability to license it, so let's just make the draw. Shall we just talk people through how we're going to do it as well so everybody knows it's completely above board? I've got a very big spreadsheet with lots of names on, which has then been randomised. It's accounting for the fact there are multiple entries from people, because like, if people put 20 quid in, that gives you four entries. So that is a big list of lines on a spreadsheet. Moscow is now going to use some sort of random number generator, which will give us yes, give I, us a number. I've gone to random.org, uh, which claims uh, to use true random, give true random numbers by using atmospheric noise, which is better than pseudo-random number algorithms typically used in computer programs. Right, so what, you're picking a number between 1 and... Uh, 6139. We just want to give a little shout out. The service is, was built by Dr. Mads Ha of the School of Computer Science and Statistics at Trinity College, Dublin. So thanks to him. What number? <laughs> the top number you need to be putting in is 6139. Okay, right. And uh, all that remains for me to do is, is press generate. Okay. Ready? It's going to be somewhat underwhelming when just the number shows on the phone screen, but... I don't know, I've, I've got a slight... Heart flutter here. It's a big responsibility. Right, I've pressed it. Don't fuck it up. I've got the result. <laughs> I've got the result. Minus two. Oh, no. The right. number is one, five, one, two. There you go. One, five, one, two. Fifteen, twelve. It was the overture, wasn't it? <laughs> That's far too highbrow a joke for this podcast. And the winner is Aaron Price. Congratulations, Aaron. Well yeah. done, Pricey. You've won an amazing prize there. I'm jealous. Whereabouts in the world is uh, is Aaron located? We don't know yet. We don't know. I don't think we should tell people he's going to have a, a priceless bit of memorabilia in his house. I don't <laughs> think we need to put people onto that. We don't want to, even if we just say like, oh, he's in, you know, Keithley or something, people will, people will start knocking on doors to get this. So, well done, Aaron. Congratulations, Aaron. And just to reiterate as well, uh, if you did take part, we are so grateful. And I know the Leeds Children's Hospital Charity are going to be as well, uh, Leeds Cares, because it's going to do so much good, this money. £30,000 over 30 grand going to Leeds Children's Hospital. Thanks to your generosity. And the signed shirt, Bielsa. Money can't buy souvenir. We're going to come back to you, actually, because I think we're going to try and find out what exactly it is being spent on so, you can, so we can tell you and you can feel good about the 
the good thing you've done. Yeah, we've raised that much money that we can actually pay for an object, don't we? <laughs> that's what we found out. There is, there's potentially a thing that could exist, which and, is amazing. And thank you to some other people who donated prizes along the way because we once it got so ridiculously out of hand, we decided we needed to give out some more stuff as well. So as well as like square ball merchandise and, and whatnot. Uh, Platinum Rail Services gave two hospitality tickets for a game, plus a Leeds third shirt. Ryan from the Pigeon Detectives gave a couple of tickets. John Howe gave a copy of his book. Sam and Harrow gave some copies of his book. Um, some idiot called Chapman gave us his book, didn't he? Yeah, that's... that's, that's feel sorry for the person who's won that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, lo- uh, loads of people Contact me if this. you want an alternative prize. <laughs> no, no cash alternative, though. <laughs> yeah, so thank you to everybody who gave up prizes. Thank you to you if you took part in it. As we've just been saying, it's completely blown us away. You've done a wonderful thing, and it's going to go to such good use as well. We, like we said, we'll bring you updates. If we buy a thing in the hospital... We can maybe stick a nice square ball sticker on it or a badge. Leeds Carajo. Leeds Carajo Incubator. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Do look out for our podcast with Phil Hay and The Athletic later on this week as well, second half of the week. If you want to listen to that one, by the way, it's going to be available on The Athletic feed. All, you know, free via all the usual channels, but we won't be hosting the full show on this feed. It will be on their feed or via The Athletic app. And if you fancy getting hold of some of that Leeds Carajo merchandise as well, and subscribe to The Extra Ball all at thesquareball.net. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll see you in a bit. Bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.